Hello and welcome to the Ice Guy. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, Monday, October 2030. In Cameron, Alex B. Smith, ready to break down the Monday slate, which just has one game and one game only, the Montreal Canadiens and Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we will tee that game up in just a moment. We'll also do Q&A after we talk Montreal-Buffalo uh, and uh, get your questions in uh, and answer them at the end. This will be a nice, short, quick show, uh, which was welcome for the two of us, considering what we've got coming up tomorrow, and that is a lot of handicapping, 16 games to uh, look into and research and could you imagine someone that dives into the player prop side of things as much as I do uh, as well getting ready to handicap that 16 game card it's going to be a beast uh, over under 4 30 a.m sleep time for me tonight uh, probably bet it over it might I might even be 5 a.m before I finally hit the pillow tonight uh, getting ready for tomorrow but yeah 16 games uh, and we've got our special start time tomorrow noon eastern it's going to be the weekend start time for one day only tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, uh, to get through all 16 games uh, on the card. Uh, as we know, that show is going to be closing in on two hours in length for sure, uh, and that'll give us a little bit more of a buffer zone uh, between the end of that show and the BetCast, which is at 6 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night. A reminder, the BetCast, 6 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday night, our first live BetCast of the year for this terrific night of hockey that is on deck. All 32 teams in action, 16 games, staggered start times throughout the night, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern with the Leafs and Capitals game. Uh, so we are excited. Bring your drinks, get your beer fridges stocked like I did uh, earlier this weekend. Uh, get ready. It's going to it's gonna be a long one. We'll be on for at least, I would say, into the beginning of the late games. And we might even go right till the end of those. We might make it a, a six, seven hour affair. So uh, it's going to be a lengthy one. It's going to be fun, as always. It's going to be great to see and hear from so many of our great viewers and listeners that join us uh, on the BetCast tomorrow night. So uh, make sure uh, you um, take a look at that, uh, the BetCast tomorrow night. If you've never joined and watched them before, uh, you're yeah. going to be in for something very, very fun. Uh, we just shoot the shit. We bet the games live. We're all watching them. We're updating you. Oh, this guy scored up. Oh, it's 2 nothing, uh Washington or whatever the case may be. It's just a lot of fun. Our first live betcast, and I've been excited about this from the moment we scheduled this betcast back in the summer yeah. for this big night of NHL hockey. So, very much, Alex, looking forward to tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember when the day they announced this, and, and we both were just like, you know, super duper excited, thinking like, wow, this is going to be uh, a great thing. Something we've talked about for years. If you watch the program, we've we've been saying this is something that the league should have been, uh, you know, doing. So. To see it happening and ESPN being a part of it. Even we talked about that a couple of days ago. As critical as we can be about broadcast uh, networks over the years, we, we're actually thinking this might really be something that could could be a grand slam. Uh, so hopefully that is the case. And like I said, we're looking forward to it. Even if they don't do a good job, I know we're going to all have a great time on the BetCast. So uh, that's what's important. And like I said, just that much hockey in one day. A lot of work to do tonight, but it, I think hopefully it'll pay off tomorrow. And uh, it certainly should be a, a very exciting time. All right, and before we get into uh, looking at last night's action, we got to recap something else. We got to recap my friend here, Alex B. Smith's magical moment last night that he happened to have on the NHL Network. And if you missed it, here it is. Okay, well, we're going to take a break. 
you know, on the intermission report. When we come back, the injury to Connor McDavid, what does it mean for the oil for the next week or two? That's a huge topic. And you, sir, Alex B. Smith, we salute you. Oh, so good. You're a hero. I love Alex B. Smith we recognizing you. There you go. Kevin, uh, Kevin Weeks loves some Alex B. Smith and some special references there. Right, yeah. So for those who weren't watching the Bruins and Ducks game on NHL Network, in the first intermission, Kevin Weeks, they were actually showing the highlights from uh, Calgary and Detroit, and he made a reference to Honey Sauce, which is this really benign and goofy song that's on, on YouTube. Just look up Taste the Biscuit after you're done watching this show. And uh, I caught the reference because I've seen that video a couple of times. And I go, Kevin Weeks actually make a Taste of Biscuit reference. And I just, you know, tweeted it. No big deal. He retweets it. And I like it. And I'm typing. I'm sitting here. I'm watching a game, whatever. And all of a sudden, I just he happen to hear that looking over in the second intermission. And, like, I see the tweet on the TV. So I run over and pause the TV and run it back and record it and everything. Call my mom. And she watched it and stuff. So. Just one of those weird random things. I've had a lot of moments in my life where I've just stumbled upon weird random stuff like this. I was talking about I, I ended up in a Blackhawks commercial all because I went to the convention their first year and just stood in line and they asked some questions. Uh, so things like this has happened to me throughout my entire life, certainly being a hockey fan. So very cool to be, uh, you know, recognized for the most, you know, innocuous thing that has nothing to do with hockey. But nonetheless, I got to hear my name on NHL Network. So pretty cool. Yeah, and even Jamison Coyle was uh, impressed by it, too. Uh, Kevin Weeks' uh, partner there working the NHL Network show last yeah. night uh, as well. So they were pretty cool, pretty great stuff there with that last night for sure. Uh, as far as the hockey on the ice last night, uh, it was a good result for both of us with Calgary and Detroit. We both thought we'd see plenty of goals there, and we did. Man, this Red Wings offense is just a freight train right now. A terrific uh, offensive team. The power play is just lethal. They're scoring at five-on-five five even strength. Alex Dabrinkit's leading the league in goals and points right now uh, early in the season. And at the moment, they just uh, they just can't be stopped. And their puck movement is very good. Uh, and um, you would think at some point there's going to be some level of slowing down a bit. But right now, that is not happening for the Detroit Red Wings. Just a terrific uh, team as far as scoring goals right now. They've had no issues whatsoever. Uh, and they uh, take care of Calgary handily. Uh, yesterday uh, in that uh, victory against the Calgary Flames. And then the other game yesterday, Boston-Anaheim, uh, you know, it was a pretty tight, uh, well-checked game, well-defended game, really, uh, on both sides. Uh, and uh, finally, we got the goals to come in the third period of that game. At Mason McTavish, who I liked as a, the cash-to-goal prop for him in that game, plus 370, he got Anaheim going uh, with that first goal, one nothing. But quickly after that, what an NHL moment for young Matthew Patra. For the uh, Boston Bruins, absolutely outstanding. Uh, gets his first NHL goal to tie the game and then gets his second NHL goal just minutes later, which ended up being the game winner for the uh, Boston Bruins. And there was some thought that they would give this kid a long look. He's a center. And as we know, the Boston Bruins are crying out for some help at the center ice position entering this new season with the, uh, with the retirements of both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. And definitely you saw the potential that this young kid has. And he gets his first two NHL goals last night, Matthew Patra, uh, in victory for the uh, Boston uh, Bruins. So uh, very, very excited, exciting night for him. Um, and it's always great to see these young kids get into the league, get their first goal. Uh, it's happened a bunch uh, in the first couple of weeks. And uh, look, Boston, 
as much as I say they're unimpressive, uh, unimpressive, unimpressive in victory, they're stacking W's. And that's all that matters at this point. And they're finding ways to win. So it can be as unimpressive uh, as it looks. And I'm sure Jim Montgomery has things he wa still wants to clean up with this team, but not going to apologize for a 5-0 and start. Now, has their schedule been a murderer's row so far? No. You know, the best team by far they played is Los Angeles, and they did win that game. So you give them credit. But uh, definitely uh, Boston, no apologies. You know, they faced a light schedule. They haven't always played great for 60 minutes in every game, but at the end of the day, they're 5-0. and They'll take it, and uh, they do get some credit for winning these games, even if they haven't always been overly impressive, according to the eye test. Alex, uh, your thoughts on the two games on Sunday? Yeah, uh, we'll start with the Calgary-Detroit game. Like I said, the Red Wings are looking pretty solid offensively, and, you know, the thing is you wonder, can the defense and the goaltending hold up long-term? But right now, if you can find a way to win games by outscoring your problems on the back end, so be it. And that's exactly what they're doing. Calgary, you look at them, you know, just two wins right now. Every game, they've given up three or more goals. Now, imagine if that team just happened to have somebody in their franchise who, I don't know, maybe is undefeated right now in the season and won about 90-something games in the last three years. Maybe that might be a goaltender you'd probably want to put in net as opposed to two guys who are struggling at the moment. I don't know. That's just a hunch. But maybe uh, Calgary might make some changes sooner than later if they can't get the defense and goaltending they need. Uh, and then Boston-Anaheim. Yeah, we just got to realize this Boston team is just going to, you know, grind people to death in the first period, not do anything, and then score after that. So uh, you, it's going to be a minute before you see me play some Boston first period overs because that's just not going to be their style right now. Like you said, they're not asking how. They're asking how many. And right now they've gotten five wins and no losses. So, uh, like said, you know, they, they could clean things up a lot. But, you know, like I said, having the young kids step up with the two goals and now possibly finding a hole filled uh, in the center in the center role, that's massive. Uh, and if this team continues on, I mean, listen, we saw them do this last season, right? They went on this hot run to start the year and never really looked back. So, you know, I, it's just strange to see how many teams are doing this right now, Vegas and Colorado and Boston, and, you know, and even Dallas, you know, but Dallas not really doing it in the style of these three. It's just weird to see teams just right out of the gate, especially teams who've played a lot of hockey, especially the, the defending Stanley Cup champion. But, um, you know, they have that winning pedigree, and it's clicking in right now. And, and the thing is, how long can you sustain it? Yeah, exactly. How long can you uh, sustain it? Uh, for sure, Detroit is, you know, uh, off to a tremendous start. Um, we'll see if they can keep this uh, ro momentum rolling along. Their schedule is going to get a little bit tougher moving forward. But, you know, what I'm impressed with, with um, – Montreal, with Detroit, I should say. It's, th these guys that I thought were going to be lousy in their own end, they've been better than I Justin Hall, for fuck's sakes, for the Leafs last year. He's like the, leading the league in plus minus right now. Are you shitting me? Like, my goodness. I mean, talk about things you never would have expected in a million years. I'm sure the Leaf fan is thinking, what the fuck's going on here? Is this the Twilight Zone? They couldn't wait to get rid of him. And they wanted him benched so many Leaf fans last year. I thought it was a little overblown, though, on Justin Hall. I don't think he was that bad. I think it's just, you know, his mistakes were accentuated. But, you know, he's played well for Detroit. He's fit in nicely, maybe a product of a good system, good structure from Derek Lalone, well coached. You know, coaching him up definitely does help. But, you know, he's played well. Um, you know, Ben Sherratt's been solid. You know, Gostas Bear's not been making as many mistakes in his own zone. He's given them a lot offensively as he normally does. So this blue line has outperformed my personal expectations for them. I, I knew they'd be able to score goals. I don't know if I expected them to score goals at this clip, the Detroit Red Wings, but I did think their offense was above average. 
coming into the season, especially when you get into Brinkett, when you have Lucas Raymond in a bounce back year, you have a healthy Dylan Larkin, you've got David Perron, uh, you've got certainly a lot of capable forwards up front uh, that can chip in. Look at the way Joe Valeno is playing right now for them as well. And I mentioned him as a goal prop that was worth a look in that Detroit game. He finds the back of the net. Um, so, yeah, definitely Detroit. Their defense has been better than I thought. Huso's been good in net. And even Reimer, when he's gotten in the two games, he's played well. And obviously they're scoring goals in bunches with a very good upfront group offensively. So put it all together, and it's been very impressive from the Red Wings. But again, two weeks does not make a season. Let's see where they are in a month, two months from now, uh, and we'll see if they can sustain this early start success to the season. All right, one game tonight. We'll get into it now. Montreal Canadiens, Buffalo Sabres, Buffalo minus 180 home favorites, six and a half being the total in this game. Uh, definitely not a price I'm all that excited about laying with Buffalo. Uh, you know, we'll see if they can get the job done. Montreal is coming off an overtime win uh, against Washington, uh, 3-2 on Saturday night uh, to uh, get the victory there. They went 2-1 and one on that mini homestand. It's only going to be their second road game of the season. Their first was against Toronto, the opening night of the year, uh, or the, their opening night. It was the second night of the season, but they lost 6-5. Uh, in a shootout in that game. Uh, last year when these two teams met, we saw Buffalo uh, lose 4-3 in a shootout in Montreal, or at, actually I should say at home against uh, Montreal. Uh, in Montreal, Buffalo won 7-2, and then in Buffalo, uh, Montreal beat them 3-2. So last year, two meetings in Buffalo, Montreal actually won both of them uh, in that game. That being said, look, Comrie, who's been in the net now again tonight, who will be starting with Devin Levi still day-to-day, uh, Eric Comrie was really good against the Islanders, uh, and he was good against them last year. He was solid. He played really well for this team, so it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that going uh, here into this game tonight. Jake Allen, who actually played pretty solid against Washington. Uh, this is someone that didn't have a good year last year, uh, someone that struggled a bit in the preseason as well, and I worry going forward about how well he'll play, but he had a solid effort in the victory against the uh, Capitals. Now, I do want to mention when it comes to Jake Allen, he played well against Washington, a team that is dead last, by the way, in goals per game. 1.25 goals scored per game this year for the uh, Washington Capitals. That's how bad it's been. I didn't realize how bad it was for them offensively until uh, obviously seeing the, the stats uh, after, that, after their first few games. I mean, they have just not been that dynamic, explosive, you know, Capitals offense that we've seen. So this is going to be a greater challenge here for Montreal for Allen and for this blue line, which to be honest is still given up. I think a few too many shots, a few too many chances. I mean, they haven't had a sub 30 shots against game yet this season, the Montreal Canadians. So they're giving up a lot of looks, a lot of rubber. I think uh, Jake Allen over saves might be a good prop tonight. I haven't talked to as many goalie props the last few shows, but I think that one definitely makes some sense to me, especially when you look at Buffalo they just came off a game against a very tight Islander team, ripping 43 shots on goal in that game against the New York Islanders. So a Jake Allen saves prop, definitely I like in this game. Lean a little bit to the over six and a half. Don't love it, but one game on the card, I do lean over. I'll have a small bet on that. Most of my other bets are going to be props. I will save it until we hear from Alex. Alex, what do you think here? Habs taking on the Sabres. Yeah, I've, I was really looking to pass this game, and then when I saw the confirmations of both Comrie and Allen, it's more than likely it would be a game I'll be looking for a live over. Six and a half is, is a fine number, but price-wise, I think we can wait. And I just don't think Buffalo is going to jump out 
uh, and get a ton of, of action early. I think we'll be able to wait and get five and a half and probably lay at maybe a dollar twenty, even a dollar ten uh, before we see scoring. But once Buffalo can break the dam that is uh, Jake Allen, I think the goals could come in bunches. And one of the things I'm looking at is Tage Thompson. I got him to score a goal at even money. And this is huge for me and anybody else who's holding the Tage Thompson Rocket Richard uh, ticket. He needs to get hot right now with Connor McDavid out for the next one to two weeks. Uh, if he wants to, to get past him, this is a good way to, to get started. So if he can get a goal here, maybe two goals, and uh, get that momentum rolling, get, get ahead of everyone here in the, in the race, that would be pretty nice for that ticket. So Tage Thompson to score a goal, and I'm looking for a live over five and a half. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, this is a game where I've, I've had a lot of fun with these uh, defensemen here, these defensemen player props, power play point props, point uh, goal props and assist props, because they're just they're undervalued. They really are. And if you're finding teams with defensemen that are shooting the puck quite a bit and, and really trying to con, con, a real concerted effort to shoot the puck, especially with the man advantage, you can take advantage of some of these and you've got defensemen that will not hesitate to shoot the puck and fire it on net both sides, Mike Matheson for Montreal. And of course, Rasmus Dahlin for Buffalo. Uh, these are two guys that definitely, so you could do shots on goal props for Matheson and for Dahlin. You could go goal prop assist prop. There's some really good value laden props involving these two defensemen right now. Uh, for each of these two teams, you look on the Matheson side of things. He had five shots on goal against Washington and, a, and an assist. He's only got two assists on the year, but those point numbers, they're going to be there for him. If he keeps shooting the puck like he is two, four, three, five shots on goal for Matheson. The last four games, Darlene, of course, uh, we see him. He's had three plus shots on goal in four of the five games so far this year for Buffalo. He has points in four of their five games. Uh, they're all assists, no goals yet. But when you're shooting the puck like that, you know, eventually one might go in for you uh, if you're Rasmus Dahlin. So the goal prop and the assist prop for the two defensemen uh, manning the power plays for these two teams, Matheson and Dahlin, I think are probably worth the look. Tage Thompson's been just an automatic over the shot prop. I don't love that it's three and a half and you got to lay a price, but I would still bet it, you know, because he's been going to four plus shots on goal majority of these games for Buffalo. I like what Alex was saying with the prop on Tage to score a goal uh, here tonight in this game. Dylan Cousins goal assist prop. I like Dylan Cousins just shows up each and every night for this team. Uh, I think he definitely can get on the uh, scoreboard for uh, Buffalo, the goal prop, the assist prop for him, anything with Caulfield in it. How are you going to say no to that with the way he's playing right now uh, for the uh, Montreal Canadiens? So those are the, the real standout player prop looks for me. Uh, in this game, all of those that I uh, just mentioned, uh, no question. Yeah, Rich H., you're 100% what you're seeing and you're thinking what I am. Both of those defensemen, Matheson and Darlene, they have 14 shots on goal combined between them, but zero goals. That's going to change. Eventually, you know, when you have that many shots on net, you're going to see one go in at some point. But like I said with the defensemen, you know, the assist props they've been getting, the assists, both of those guys, Darlene and Matheson. But when you're shooting the hot, when you're having the high volume of shooting the puck that they are, eventually you're going to see one go in for you. You know, you'll see a deflection, you'll see it hit someone from the other team and go in. You'll see a screenshot through traffic. It just gets through all the shot blocking and finds its way past a goaltender that can't see it. New hook, that's a good one too, Rich. I agree. Uh, New hook, I've mentioned him a few times. Uh, and look, he's getting greater ice time and opportunity compared to when he was with Colorado. You know, that really makes all the difference in the world, too, for a guy 
like Alex said, Newhook. But yeah, just to confirm, because I'm finally bringing up the prices here, Matheson goal prop plus 600. I mean, that's that's worth a couple sprinkles when you're seeing him shoot the puck as much as he is. Five the last game alone, plus 100 to get an assist for him. And then Rasmus Dahlin, uh, goal prop plus 450 is the best you can find, and the assist prop at minus 122. So again, those are uh, all pretty good looks here as far as the um, props in this game. There is some truth to Cuban Wayne Gretzky's thoughts on Gallagher. Gallagher's been very, you know, quiet, subdued offensively so far this year. I think he's only got the one goal, but it did come against Washington and his highest shots on goal that he's had in a game this season as well against the Capitals on Saturday. And he does do well against Buffalo. There's no doubt. This goes back years. Brendan Gallagher has really been a bit of a problem for the uh, Buffalo Sabres. So, yeah, I don't mind that one bit as well uh, here uh, in this game. Uh, there we go. That's about it. We just got the uh, one game, which means we can move along here to Q&A uh, for yep. this. Uh, and by the way, one last thing, actually, some shot props I'll throw out there, too. Not just Matheson, Darlene, Thompson, Skinner. I think his shot props might be worth a look here as well uh, for the uh, Buffalo Sabres. So there's a few shot props in mind. All right, the Q&A segment of the uh, show. We've got a little extra time here, so we'll do uh, a little bit of a Q&A. We got uh, a few questions there in our community tab. Uh, we, we posted the uh, uh, promotion about the fact that we were going to do the Q&A uh, following this uh, edition of the show. So we appreciate it. Uh, let's start with our guy, uh, Rich H., uh, who has, of course, uh, been one of our longtime viewers and listeners of the show. And this question specifically is for Alex. It's actually an interesting question here where he says, what does the B stand for in Alex B. Smith? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Do either of you guys have Nick? Well, I have Bobano. I think everybody knows that uh, yeah. by now. Uh, but what sports did you play uh, growing up? I guess this this is these questions now are for both of us. What sports did you yeah. play growing up? Who are your favorite players growing up? Favorite sports fan moment? Oh my gosh, there's a lot of good questions here. We'll start with the first one for Alex. The B yeah. in Alex B. B. Yeah. Yeah. So my full name is Alexander Bohannon Smith. That's my middle name. So that's what the B is for. So I always use a shorten that. And I've always put that in everything because there's a million people named Alex. There's a billion people named Smith. So I've just always had Alex B. Smith. And so by correlation of that, my nickname has now become AB, basically, which is funny because the whole AX Smith sports handle that I have for Twitter was because Axe had kind of stuck as a nickname in like middle school, high school, but then it didn't just kind of fade it out. So AB is my nickname and, and the B stands for Bohannon. There you go. Bohannon uh, is your answer right there, Rich H. That's a good one there. Yeah, I actually, Greenway, I've missed that when we broke down Montreal Buffalo. He is on the top line. You got to sprinkle a little bit on that. Like, he's not a gifted offensive player. That's my one concern. But you got to, uh, you don't get props on a player on the top line at plus 440 to score a goal every day. And you do have that for uh, Jordan Greenway for the uh, Buffalo Sabres tonight in this game. So I don't mind that one bit. Uh, some of the other questions we had from uh, Rich H. Uh, in our chat, of course, my nickname's Bobano. Do you have any nicknames, Alex? No, no, just the AB. That's it. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. Mine, mine's been Bobano for uh, years, and really, that started from we just had to come up with off the top of our head some kind of name. It was supposed to be some kind of like superhero name uh, for something, or you know, some you know Transformers type of character back in playground days and school. That's where it comes back comes from. And it was oh, just something off the top of your head, something that sounds weird, something that sounds different. And I just off the top of my head, oh, Bobano. Yeah, it's just the <laughs> craziest thing. And that nickname <laughs> is stuck with me. Uh, really I never ever. knew that. 
it's a crazy story and it's just it's been stuck with me ever since bobano and uh it's what i've always used in my email slogan so bohannon and bobano here we've got like nice. a, a little b uh you know mix here going on here a little connection oh. to the letter b right now uh what sports did you play growing up for me it was bowling and golf that's it and golf i was no good at and i'm still suck at it bowling actually i'm not bad <laughs> I'm solid at 10 pin. I'm really good at five pin, you know, the smaller balls, oh, yeah. uh, the five pin bowling. And I was in a bunch of youth leagues, adult leagues. I had to give it up though a couple of years ago because I just got so busy doing this uh, on a daily basis. But yeah, uh, bowling by far my favorite, my best sport. And other than that, it was only golf. I never, never played hockey, never played uh, other than some street hockey, you know, with the little mini sticks back when I was a kid, I would play that, but that's about it. Uh, no, basketball, I'd shoot free throws in that, but in an actual game situation, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, that's about it. Bowling and golf for me. Yeah, it's so it's funny. And it's interesting. I didn't know you bowled. I also bowled in high school, but my initial sport that I loved was football. And I was, you know, as a bigger kid growing up, I wanted to play football, but I ended up having a lot of ankle issues, which is also the reason why I never learned how to ice skate. So, I only got to play football, basically, you know, playing around the, like I said, schoolyard kind of ball. I did play some ball hockey for a year. This is a, actually a funny story. I've talked about this before. In 2007, I graduated from high school, and I kind of took a year off between that and moving here and going to college. I played in a ball hockey league that I thought was going to just be kind of fairly recreational. It was 30 and over. I had to lie about my age because I was, I was 18 going on 19 to even get in this league. This is like up on the north side of Chicago. And I find out that all these guys – they had played, you know, college hockey. A couple of guys were currently playing uh, lacrosse in Canada. And this was like their, like, cross training. So I ended up trial by fire being on the worst team called the Black Wings. And I, I even still have the baseball cap. And I was the goalie. Uh, I had some old school, like, 90s pads on, faced about 60 shots. And, and every night in this little gym, got hit with a ball that was probably, you know, like a baseball with all the uh, all of the, the, the uh, leather ripped off of it. And uh, that was a ton of fun, but that's about as far as like my athletic career pretty much went. Like I said, I bowled in high school, played a little baseball in high school too, but injuries always kept me from doing things for the most part. So, not uh, that's why we're handicappers, right? <laughs> those those who can't teach in a way. So, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, there you go. A good answer with uh, that favorite sports fan moment for me. There's oh man, favorite sports fan moment for me. I would say. It's got to be one of the tight cap moments because for me, because that's, I've got that true emotional connection to them because I've gone to games my whole life. I would say winning the Grey Cup the 99, it's, it's so frustrating that's been that long since they've won a Grey Cup in an 8-9 team league. But yeah, 1999, uh, that's probably a memorable moment, most memorable. I would say an honorable mention uh, because I was way more of a fan of the local teams then as opposed to now. Uh, even my Sabres fandom is, um, it's there, but it's not like life goes on. If they suck, life goes on. If, you know, Toronto Blue Jays don't play well, the Ticats are the one where it still bothers me every day when they don't play well, because I'm totally invested and I go to all the games, but yeah, the Ticat great cup. The other one would have been, and it's funny, it's a perfect day to talk about it, the 30th anniversary of the Joe Carter home run for the Blue Jays in the 93 world series, walking it off against the Phillies. That was one hell of a moment. Uh, and just the, the, the volume in the crowd that day, you know, or that night when the, when the ball left the park, uh, it was just a, it's an unbelievable noise in the, in the sky dome, as it was called back then. So those are good moments. How about you, Alex? It's, it's funny you mentioned that because this we're in the entire week of uh, anniversaries for the White Sox 05 World Series, which that was a, a really big one and poignant one 
uh, my family being gigantic White Sox fans, that whole year was just phenomenal. But without question, one single moment, one single day, it's June 9th, 2010, which also happened to be the day after my 21st birthday. And, of course, that's game six of the 2010 Stanley Cup final. Patrick came with the game-winning goal overtime. Uh, that's also where the nickname Patrick fucking Kane comes from because it's the first thing I screamed out when they announced that the goal officially counted. Me and my buddy from high school running around downtown, partying in the streets. Uh, you know, it's a lot of a blurry moment because there was a lot of alcohol involved. Uh, I got up on stage with a bunch of people and we sang Chelsea Dagger doing karaoke. It was it was an absolute blast. That's one of the moments I'll never forget. One of them live in my entire life. Yeah, definitely. All right. We've got some good questions here. We've got uh, several from Rich. We've got Evan, who's in our chat right now. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, you guys know hockey better than anyone I know who never played. Uh, we, we like to think that from people that never played the sport, we can talk about it intelligently, uh, very accurately, informatively, and analyze things really well. So we hope it sounds that way uh, when you're listening. Uh, to the show that's for sure yeah. and uh, I feel like just watching the sport for 30 plus years both of us we've accumulated a shit ton of knowledge yeah. and we can talk about it pretty 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 intelligently at least not always sometimes yeah. we're out to lunch but most of the time we can uh, the amount of hockey that the two of us have watched is just I mean Standard. if you try to count it in hours it's yeah it's 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 crazy <laughs> it's thousands really crazy. hours thousands oh, and thousands thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is how many so you get you gain some level of being able to talk about it when you watch hockey for that amount of fucking time that is for sure no question uh about it uh some more good questions here from rich um how did your sports betting start and who do you credit for your big break or first opportunity it's teddy covers and sports memo clearly and it was teddy in particular that man will always be the guy that really opened the door for me for the very first time uh, with uh, a special uh, kudos to Aaron Renning, too, who was part of the conglomerated sports memo back then in 2011, 2012. And, and from instilling my interest and love in betting on sports, really getting it fired up was Gabe Morenci and Cam Stewart as well. Listening to them on Sirius XM Hardcore Sports Radio in 2005 for the first time. That's really where it started to pick up, where it's like, geez, I love sports. And these guys are talking about it. You know, they're using their knowledge to make wagers and bet these games. Why can't I do that? I know sports. I think I know what I'm talking about. Why not I try to make some money doing this? And that's how it started. Yeah, for me, it goes way back further because it, it, it's semi-family thing as far as gambling as a whole. My grandfather used to shoot dice and play poker. Uh, and my uncle, big sports fans, and they played sports. And, and so there's a whole big sports side of the family. But my uncle, when he had a job in downtown Chicago in the 90s, he was in a big office pool for the NFL. And I watched games and stuff. So when I was about four or five years old, he sat down and, you know, kind of showed me how the point spread and stuff worked. And I helped him pick games with that. That's really the first pool that I ever entered was, was, was along with my uncle. And then, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, I seen it in the back of the newspaper, the lines and different things. So I just kind of taught myself really how to bet sports because everybody they, they did other kinds of gambling, but they weren't really sports bettors. So I developed that over my own time. And then when I got into high school, I went from, you know, betting with friends to all of a sudden kind of maybe sort of running some kind of a uh, operation, if you will, and uh, did that for about three years. And then I graduated. And once I got into the actual professional side of things, I moved here to Minnesota to pursue a music career and I ended up having my gallbladder taken out. So I had a bunch of free time sitting around on the couch. I'm already watching sports. That's all I do every day when I'm not playing music. 
and I bet on games here or there, but I just started to really dive more into reading about different things. And I'd always listen to handicappers like Dave Koken and Scott Spritzer. I used to watch them when I was a kid on, you know, they were on pro line when it was actually on cable TV. And so I knew about the ins and outs of it a little bit, but I just, you know, did my research and studied more and more and, you know, started understanding why lines move certain ways, why these, you know, just understanding why the numbers are the way they are and uh, fell in love with it. And I said, you know, to heck with music. I'm just going to keep on doing this. And it's been 11 years now, 12 years now almost. Absolutely. And you know what's funny? Uh, if I, and the next question is a great one too, Rich. If you weren't doing sports betting and didn't get involved in it, what would you be doing? I would definitely be a radio talk show host in broadcasting for sure. There's no question. Yeah. And I was close to going down that road. And um, at the end of the day, I got into this. And then I realized is a few years after I started this, well, wait a minute now, content is starting to become a thing. And I can kind of do broadcasting, a little lighter form, obviously, but still able to do shows. And that was something that I always had an interest in. So it's kind of like, yeah, I didn't go the broadcasting route, but I've, I've incorporated being able to host shows and like, well, broadcast, I guess you could say, incorporate it with my sports betting career. So it's, that became the best of both worlds for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, if you asked me this before, when I first started, obviously it would have been, I would have just got right back into music. Nowadays, I don't really have the aspirations to, to do that so much. I If I wasn't, you know, betting on sports now and, and doing shows for a living, I honestly, to be truthfully honest, I probably would be owning my own vape shop or uh, working at a yeah. bar somewhere. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are my other two hobbies, so that would probably be uh, where I would lead to, probably something in that direction. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I could definitely uh, envision that. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. Preferred books for specific bets. SGPs, uh, FanDuel and Bet365 stand out for SGPs. Uh, no question. They're they're really good. Although the pricing has been chintzy lately on FanDuel. Uh, but DraftKings is also pretty solid for SGPs as well. But those are the main ones. Uh, Bet365 has really stepped up their game with same game parlays. They're doing the same game parlay pluses now as well there which means same game parlays within same game parlays so uh that oh. ends up for really big payouts uh potentially uh, if you know you, you basically have a same game parlay and a same and another same game parlay both it then it's a really big payout and, and you can bet some of those things now uh so yeah those two books for that uh, obviously for hockey the the go-to's for me because really there's no big difference between types of bets but pinnacle uh bet 365 uh, Caesars is really good for goal props, BetMGM, FanDuel. Um, there's a lot of interesting books for goal props. Some of these Ontario-based books, you could just get a steal in terms of pricing, ProLine Plus, Batano. Uh, those are definitely the main ones for me. What are your preferred books, Alex, for NHL betting? Uh, Bet Online is, is a great one. I mean, obviously, especially if you are in, you know, states where that's a little hard to find some of these other books, that's that's a great one to have. But BetMGM, and it's funny, this kind of correlates with another uh, question I think that was that that might be coming up on the list. I know somebody was asking about where FanDuel, they weren't able to get certain options. And the reason why we talk about having multiple books, obviously, the basics of, you know, you just lie shop for sides and totals. But now with these, you know, derivative markets, they don't always offer the same kind of options to bet on, and they don't always offer the same kind of numbers to bet on. So FanDuel may not give you, like I said, you know, half points for, you know, goals or assists or things of that nature. You have to do everything by, by whole numbers. But FanDuel has a, a great interface and always have the best numbers for the three-way draw. Um, they also have great numbers, usually the cheapest numbers for the first period overs pregame. So you have to mix and match with what you like to bet. So FanDuel is a book that I have when I'm in Illinois and, you know, channels. Uh, BetMGM, same deal. 
there's a, there's a couple others I haven't got to use. Bet three six five not really everywhere, and that's more. I think I think that's more Ontario than anything else. I know New Jersey has it too, so I know that's huge there. And uh, Circa is now in Illinois, so once I go back home, I'll be getting a Circa account. Uh, I, I love their interface and the way that thing works. So those are those are some ones I would recommend. But if you're in a, a state where you can't get any of the current domestic books, Bet Online is a great one. My bookie is another one as well. Haven't had any issues with either one of those. One more here from Rich, because this is one worth answering for sure here. What type of best, what type of bet, I should say, is your most successful? Money line, totals, puck lines, favorites, underdogs, definitely totals for me. I've been uh, Tommy totals for most of my sports betting. And sides I like too, but I find long-term across all sports, I do a little bit better with totals. And player props, man, is coming on like a freight train for me the last year or two as far as success rate. Uh, across all sports, football player props. Look at yesterday, uh, the, that Dolphins Eagles game. I had like ten player props on that game. I think it went eight or nine out of ten uh, on uh, just outstanding. A couple touchdown props. It's like the goal score prop for NHL is my touchdown props for NFL. You know, we hit uh, Dallas Goddard at almost plus three hundred. You know, to score a touchdown oh, yeah. last night. So uh, I find my player prop betting acumen is really. Not it's really gotten strong. It was pretty solid at the beginning. It's gotten better. And finding the value, I've gotten really, really better at finding value, using lineup information, using matchup handicapping to really, really help that element of it. So I would say number one is totals, and player props is gaining ground heavily for me as far as my favorite type of bets and more successful type of bets. Yeah, most successful type of bets for me would definitely be totals too because if I go back throughout just my entire betting you know, life, I think about, you know, NBA totals were huge. You know, I made a lot of money with those back in like the 2010s when I wasn't doing this, you know, full time. Uh, college football, NFL totals, I've always done stronger with those just as well as sides. Uh, and hockey, of course, it goes without saying with the first period uh, totals that became the biggest thing and the thing that, I've, you know, been well known for. But even full game totals, I have a better long term overall full uh, record with totals than I do with sides. Uh, you know, and, and like I, you know, we're, we're both the same in the sense that we're dog players. We're both over players. So that tends to kind of, you know, lend itself to, to getting some value on both ends of that spectrum. As far as favorite bets go, uh, you know, and I, it's, it's funny because I know how many people hate it. <laughs> people were people were really dogging it last year, even though it kept winning left and right. But I do love watching the regulation draws hit because. It's, I mean, it's captivating hockey, right? Don't we love that moment of the tie game going to overtime? And, Definitely. you know, the, that, you know, Colorado, or, or I'm sorry, Columbus and, and Minnesota, that was the most entertaining. That third period was fantastic. That was the best of, of anything I watched the entire night on Saturday. There was a ton yeah. of great action. That, that, those are the moments we live for. So that's by far my favorite, uh, favorite bet, you know, because not only, you know, you see these exciting moments in this back and forth hockey, but then at the end of it, you're talking about a plus 300 to plus 400 winner. No doubt. And that was great. Look, we both had that. A lot of our viewers and listeners had it as well. And shout out to Jay Peasy in the uh, chat. He's one of our, he's one of the guys that's in our chats on the pub sports radio yeah. channel as well. $5 donation uh, to the ice guys channel. We appreciate it very much. He's doing this great stuff all along. I mean, he's just uh, the gift that keeps on giving Jay Peasy. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, for that. Uh, great questions uh, from Rich H. Um, let's go to Trisha, who asked us a, a question in the uh, Q&A uh, forum on the uh, community tab. Uh, what was the biggest win you have had? Uh, and uh, in hockey, that's uh, that. there's been a bunch. 
And there's been some player props that have been some massive, like we've had some just this year alone with some of these player props have been just huge wins as far as the actual price is concerned. Um, I, I consider them certainly, uh, but I will say my number one, like in terms of personal money one, because it was a, it was just one of those bets where I was so confident in it, in it that it was still to this day, one of the biggest bets I'll ever place. Cause it was like $2,000 uh, on this one game, two units, which is $2,000 for me. And I rarely these days bet that amount because I'm such a high volume better. Everything's 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 for the most part, but that game, and it was the 2014 Fiesta bowl in college football. It was UCF and Baylor. And UCF was a 16 and a half, 17 point underdog. They were playing well. Baylor was a freight train that year, but I was worried about UCF would take that game a little more seriously than Baylor and Blake Bortles uh, was their quarterback that season. And that George O'Leary was still their head coach. Uh, and it was just an outstanding game by them. They got out to that quick lead. They were up, I think 28, 20 at halftime. Uh, and this was a 16 and a half point underdog up 28, 20 at halftime. And they ended up winning 52 to 42. It was a wild game, tons of points, lots of offense. So no doubt number one, as far as the amount bet and just the outcome, it was a wire to wire, no sweat winner, a 16 and a half point underdog in UCF winning outright 52, 42 for me. It's still to this day, 2014 Fiesta Bowl. And to be honest, I don't know if it'll be topped in my career. That's funny. I had money on that game too. Not as much as you did, but I did have money on the on that side. Uh, the two biggest bets that I had, and it's interesting. So they're not hockey related. As far as hockey bets go, the biggest I, last year during the playoffs on a live stream, a different live stream, I actually hit um, plus eight hundred for when Toronto made that big comeback against Tampa Bay, which is funny. It was kind of almost like what they did the other night when they played yeah. down three one and went in overtime. I had I had live money on that. Uh, and it actually went up to like plus 1500. I think some other people tailed and got plus 1500 on, on that, that night, but the two largest wins, and I've talked about this one on a couple of other podcasts. Number one, I had some money tied up with, uh, some people back in Chicago that I basically had to, you know, kind of go all in or nothing. Otherwise that money may not show up again. So I ended up having a parlay on the Celtics and the over. They were playing against a Utah team. This is when Darren Williams was still with Utah. And this is like KG, uh, Ray Allen, Rondo, Celtics. Middle of like February. But the the Jazz won this road trip out east. And a lot of guys were dealing with uh, food poisoning. And it wasn't reported. And so I went and took all that bankroll and basically parlayed it and doubled it. Uh, ended up getting cash sent to me in a paper bag that was in a Nike shoebox. Uh, and so uh, to the tune of around 62 grand, that's what uh, so that's the largest one. The second largest one is it's not even a sporting event. I bet on Miss Philippines to win Miss Universe the year after Steve Harvey made the, the error and saying that another country won and oh, hit, yeah. Yeah, hit, hit plus 15,000. And wow. um, uh, and then I eventually was able to cash that money out. Yeah. And I was able to cash that money out. And about maybe three months later, trying to bet hockey, I did not have an account anymore. They had limited me to the point where I basically was shut out. From that. So, <laughs> so you have to be careful when you hit things like that sometimes. And, and, and uh, you know, pros will, will tell you that even when you start hitting well, you know, it doesn't. it's not even about money. It's just the sharpness sometimes of different things. And that wasn't a sharp play. It was random, but they treated it as such. So those are things that can happen. But uh, those are the two largest bets I've ever had. 
There you go. Good stuff. Uh, good recollections. Good questions. Again, uh, here's one that's not hockey, but someone asked it for Alex. Chicago Bears. No one needs a Bears fan. What should they do this offseason with having what looks like the first two picks in the draft? Well, I mean, yeah, it seems like it's it's going to be, uh, you know, the end of the road for Justin Fields in Chicago. Obviously, he'll go somewhere else. And and, and I wish him well if, if we do move on uh, without him. Uh, but, I mean, if we have a chance to get Caleb Williams, who looks to be like a true real deal generational type of talent we got to go get him and then if hopefully we get that second pick which was from carolina it'd be nice to get marvin harrison jr have that as a, a great tandem uh then we also have the option to draft trade one of those picks with fields and then maybe get something you know somewhere more a bit, a bit established i love what the, the draft capital that the uh, bears might have right now with uh, ryan pace you know leading the way so i i trust in what's going on there Ryan Poles, rather, not Ryan Pace. Pace is gone. Ryan Poles, the GM. So I like what's going on there. You know, it, it sucks that they're losing right now, but this is part of the process and, and, and you know, getting things in order next three or four years. I just hope they win one before my mom's gone because she's the biggest Bears fan in the family. So that's uh, this is what we're hoping for. A couple more years and they'll be right back on top. Yeah, there, there you go. Get your shit together, Chicago Bears. Let's <laughs> yeah. go for Mom Smith. Come on, that's let's right. go. Uh, yeah. Give her that uh, championship uh, uh, sooner rather than later, hopefully. All right, Evan, we're going to wrap up the Q&A with Evan, who's become a, one of our great uh, participants in the uh, YouTube uh, yes. chat every day and part of the family plan as well. He's got a few questions he's uh, that he put in the uh, post as well. Uh, he's just starting to make small plays. He says he's new to sports betting as of last year, which just correlates with how long I know you've been joining us here on the show as tuning in. I was working night shift at a factory over here in Europe, and I know you're in Europe because you joined us on a betcast way over late overnight there, and you couldn't even talk because it was so late and you didn't want to wake anybody up. But you joined us on the betcast stream, Evan. I remember that from last season. You've started making small plays just to have some action on the games that were going on overnight my time. He says, I decided to try to gain at least a little knowledge about how to bet, found your show, and stuck around because it's honestly the best place to get a serious, detailed discussion of every single game, not just in terms of betting, but even in terms of hockey. The more I listen, the more impressed I am with the thought and methodology that goes into your plays. Uh, very, very kind, man. Very yes. appreciate that. Yeah. That's very kind to say that. So some questions about your approach. You obviously record all of your bets. Do you use Excel or some software? Exactly. Yep. That is what I use. Yep. Excel. And I record every side, every total, every prop, every bet in every sport. It's that simple. It's funny. I never used Excel. I used to use just simple old WordPad. Well, actually, that WordPad was probably when I first Really, anything that you can record something on will work. Yeah. I was about to say, because I, I, I used to do stuff by hand. And then maybe like yeah. 2013 is when I started doing WordPad. And then now with these different apps, I use Betstamp. You know, I have a Betstamp app that's not for a Betstamp account, rather, that's not connected to any betting sites of where I bet through. I use that simply just to record everything. So that makes it just a lot easier. I can just go and just, you know, put that in my phone rather than just writing everything out. But I keep two sets of records that are, you know, one's full, long, written out, and then one's just on my phone so I can always refer to it. And another good question based on what we just uh, talked about from Evan, besides keeping a, a track of your betting history, first thing you would encourage a beginning sports better to study, keep track of. What are you good at? What are you not good at? Are you struggling with sides? Or are you good at sides? Are you struggling with totals? Or are you good at totals? Are you doing better with favorites? Or are you doing better with underdogs? If you're doing better with favorites, uh, then maybe you cut out the underdogs or vice versa, or at least bet fewer of them. You've got to find what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. 
And if you're doing that, and I, and I find if you do that, you're going to put yourself in a better place to succeed because it's going to eliminate the process of making bad bets and and the types of bets maybe that you're struggling with. I, I would agree with that, but I'll go I'll go a step further. If you're talking about somebody who's just absolutely bare bones, just the you know newbie to the to, to sports betting, the yeah. biggest thing I would do would be get a notebook and a pen. Look at the lines. Look at the different books and stuff. Don't even open an account yet. I would say I would say give yourself 30 days. Give yourself a fictional bankroll. Write it down in that book, and use the use the you know the websites and 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 the numbers, the odds for references, and watch the game. Make picks and then just observe things according to what picks you feel would be good bets. And then from there, you go and see what your sensitivities are. What are you identifying in the game? Has your view of the game changed because of that bet you placed? And if so, what things are you identifying and paying attention to? I think that's kind of the, the way I would try to, to, to teach. Because uh, it, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of teach necessarily betting in that aspect, right? Like, like we can teach you how to and we can tell you what these things mean. But the 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 internal kind of uh, you know, way you you consume a sport and, and watch it, that's something that you have to quantify in your own you know time and field, and that takes time. You know, we're still doing that. Twelve, thirteen years into this, we it, it, you know you're always learning. You know, that's the thing, and I think that's the biggest thing with with with, with betting is that this is forever. This is like it's like being in medicine. It's like being in in the food industry. A lot of the different industries, you're always constantly learning. And what happened before, you can't forget about it, but you can't always, you can't, you know, rely on it either. You got to always be constantly moving. Just like, you know, you look at analytics now. I wasn't the biggest analytics guy. I was as old school as old school can get for someone who's young. <laughs> but now I've incorporated some of these advanced statistics and, and looking at, you know, things like Corsi and Fenwick. I was trying to, you know, shoot those away. But now when I realize how I can incorporate them and 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 how to interpret statistics too, that's the biggest thing. Because, right, we're looking at, numbers upon numbers you can you know lose yourself in numbers you have to you know really and you know go back and forth and kind of toggle with what you know how pertinent is this information to me this stat line compared to that one so those are things you have to just instinctively work on exactly and also too with especially with uh, no you know does this stat matter considering they're playing you know let's say in college football uh alabama a&m or is this stat line now that they're playing you know Clemson, maybe that matters a little bit more. The stat line you see play, like the opponent and the situation uh, of that particular matchup, matchup to matchups, very important uh, as well. No question. Something to uh, keep in mind there as well. Uh, and another thing, too, as far as uh, studying and keeping track, after every bet, win or lose, go back and look at the game. Either watch the game or look at the box score, look at the recap, find out not only what that you won or lost, but why did you win or lose? And sometimes when you win a bet, you're not going to get every part of the handicap right, even if you win a bet. Just like when you lose a bet, you're not going to get every part of the handicap always wrong. So find out, okay, I thought the game was going to play out this way, but it didn't. Why was that? And how can I use this to make better choices moving forward? That is something. You know, re-examine the game and re-examine the bets that you made on the game following it. Don't just say, oh, I won and lost on to the next one. No, because actually the process of doing that will make you better. I think uh, in the long run, uh, that's definitely something you want to maybe incorporate as well. Uh, definitely resources for gathering information. I mean, there's just so many for hockey. 
you know, covers is always a spot that I go to every day. Their, their, their stats, their information is terrific for various hockey. I use a, a natural stat trick for lineups, uh, which is a big component of talking yeah. about the player props. It's a roto wire. It's daily face off. Uh, those are the two go-tos for me as far as lineups go, but those are the main resources for hockey, uh, for football, for all sports, beat writers, you know, on, on Twitter and reporters and following them and knowing where they write their articles and just getting information there. Uh, that is significant. So those are the main things, you know, Twitter beat writers and reporters covers.com has just incredible info and stats and data and trends and all that past ATS stuff going years back. And then of course, for hockey specifically, Stats websites for lineups, Rotowire, and daily faceoff. Absolutely must if you're, especially if you're going to bet player props. Yeah, definitely. And, and Left Wing Walk is a, a, a site you told me about yeah, that I hadn't really used, yeah. and I love that. That's 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 a new one that I have. We have a whole list actually of all these bookmarks and things that we're talking about. If you're over at the Patreon page, I always do that list. List of, that every uh, hockey better should have bookmarked on their browser. So we've got all those detailed, but uh, that's a good one. And goaliepost.com is, that is a, a huge staple of mine. Find out when the goalies are starting. And it's, the thing is it's synced to all of the beat writers that are on Twitter. So you don't have to go comb through every NHL beat writer to find out who's starting in that. They do that part for you. So that's the beauty of it. But yes, I would say if you're someone who's not big in the social media, right? Like let's say you don't even have a Twitter account, get well, or like if we keep saying Twitter, we, Got to say X, but you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if you want to get one of those accounts, here's the way to use it. Have that be strictly for sports betting. Just follow, follow us, obviously, follow the ice guys at the underscore ice guys, but then start following beat writers and start following different people who give you good pertinent information towards betting. You know, you don't have to deal with any of the other stuff and you can, you know, tune out all the noise and just focus in on what you, I think that's the best way. If you're someone who wants to bet and you don't use social media to, to utilize social media in a way that it helps your betting, you know, you have that that natural kind of built in resource. And all of a sudden, all right, if I need information about something in hockey, I just go to X and find, you know, whatever people have been posting in that day and just make your account all about finding information pertinent to hockey. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One last question here from uh, once again, Evan, who's given us some great ones. How would you characterize each of your styles? My impression is that Ian is a little more willing to take an informed risk on his bets, and Alex really favors the angles that can be found through live betting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Live betting is not that Alex won't take risks, but you're right. right. I think as far as you know, I'm betting. I'm t I don't hesitate. Ah, I see a 750 on you know some goal <laughs> prop. I'm firing away. Uh, Alex, maybe not so much. He'll be a little more reserved. And certainly from a volume standpoint, we're not even close to the same. Right. Yeah. I'm extreme yeah. high volume. Alex is definitely much lower volume. There's no question. But he'll take some risks, too. I definitely will. Yeah. You're 100% right about me, Evan. And you're right from Alex's standpoint about the live betting. He is a live betting guru. He's done great stuff with this for years, whether it's next goal props, seeing the momentum in a game, uh, knowing what time to bet a live over. What time to maybe step in, like I say, with scoring the next goal of the game, which team will do that is just uh, he's really marveled at live betting. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've become more of a field. Well, I should say I've always been a field based handicapper, but I've utilized it now into just, you know, like I said, sitting down and really focusing in and watching the games, which is something I've always done. I've always been someone who wanted to watch the game. There's a lot of people in this industry, especially, you know, some of the biggest betters you see in me. They may not even sit around and watch all the games in a night. And I don't really know how they do that. 
That I think that's actually amazing. You know, they're able to just rely on strictly numbers and, and not sit around. And some of them think that it's bad luck to sit around and watch it. Some of them feel that, you know, their nerves would just be shot if they did it. So I understand everybody's got a different approach, but me sitting and getting the eye test, the eye test is, is, is number one overall for me. You can throw all the numbers in the world at me because you can always adapt numbers and shift it to whatever you want. But the eye test, what happens on the ice, that's crucial. So I've always really use that to a strength of my handicapping and now live betting has let me dive into that a bit more but yeah also too at the beginning of the year i'm a bit more reserved just in general you know i had a couple of nights this you know so far this year where i had a ton of bets usually that's something i would have maybe december january where you see me fire off 10 or 12 bets in a, in a, in a, a big night or something like that so yeah i take more pre-game shots once we have you know information built i like i like to you know, analyze and identify every single thing. So, you know, as we get into more games and I get to see more trends and tendencies built, then I'll, I'll jump in on more, you know, things before the games and do more within game as well. I like it. Good stuff there. And uh, my, my style is a blend. It's really a blend. Um, for number one, the biggest factor in my handicapping of each game is the matchups. Matchups, matchups, matchups lineups, injuries, current form, all of that. I incorporate the other stuff, scheduling, travel spots, situationals, trends, ATS, you know, the technical stuff, you know, and then there's people like Big Al and Mark Lawrence, their careers, it's all technical, it's all trends, it's all ATS. I can't handicap that way. I don't handicap that way. And I'm not just a numbers guy where I don't watch a blip of sports and I just crunch the numbers. No, I can't imagine me succeeding handicapping that way. I'm it's right. a must for me to watch the games. It's a must for me. Observational handicapping is a big part of what I do. So yeah, that is uh it's observations, it's watching games and it's matchups and, and just taking that knowledge, watching the games, knowing the personnel, knowing the matchups, that's where I find I make my best bets. There yeah, we go. Absolutely. Wow, great stuff. Appreciate the QA. Uh, and the questions sent by everyone in the family plan, uh, all the yep. members on our and community I know, sent those in. And there's, uh, if there's more, uh, we'll get to them for another edition down the road. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I know, yeah, there, there were some more questions, and I think a couple of them came in during the show. All of those, we will compile them. I got a big list already built here. So we will have another Q&A uh, segment, and that will be one of the bonus videos for family plan members. So we'll maybe do that. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, time permitting, there'll be some free time probably in December or something. We'll we'll maybe throw that together. So uh, we will answer the question. So keep sending more questions if you have them for sure, and uh, we'll be definitely getting around to those. Uh, like I said, in due time. No doubt, no doubt. And another thing too in my handicapping process that's changed a little the last few years: more, less hesitancy betting on underdogs. More than anything, I'm looking for reasons to bet underdogs uh, more often than maybe I did. Uh, earlier in my career. So that's definitely something uh, that has changed. All right. What hasn't changed about this show is we give you a bargain bin special of the night segment. And I know we only have one game, uh, but I do have a bargain bin uh, player picked out. I'm going to go back to the guy that just had the defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens that just had five shots on goal uh, in the last game for them against the Washington Capitals. He's firing the puck a lot. It's going to go in at some point when you've had the number of shots on goal he's had. Why not tonight? And why not at a plus 600 price at FanDuel? Mike Matheson for the Montreal Canadiens. He's going to be on that number one power play unit once again tonight for the Canadiens. He gets to play with Caulfield, Anderson, Suzuki, and Monaghan on that unit. Um, I'll take a shot with the number of shots he's getting. 
Uh, a chance for him to find the back of the net here for the Montreal Canadiens from the blue line. Matheson, plus 600 for my bargain bin special of the night. Nice. I got one from the other side of the uh, bench there with the uh, Buffalo Sabres. Same concept, like you said, you know, looking at those defensemen who are getting off shots and, and, and you know, finding ways to, to uh, you know, like I said, you know, get the puck in, in, in traffic. And that's going to be one of this kind of game, right? This feels like it's going to be a garbage goal kind of a game. So I'm going to go with Owen Power to get a goal plus 850 for Buffalo. Like I said, you know, a guy's got you know, a decent shot. If he can get one, just, you know, trickle through some traffic and, and find a way in there. I think that's a, a good uh, price for him. And he's just a, a solid guy. So plus 850, that's my bargain. Uh, been special tonight. Owen Power to get a goal. There we go. I've got the power. There you go. <laughs> Owen Power, Buffalo Sabres, plus 850 at FanDuel. So both of us going with defensemen here for our bargain bin special of the night for this Canadian Sabres game. All right, best bet for this uh, Monday edition, obviously just the one game. Alex, a side or a total? Best bet, what do you got? Oh, it's got to be a side or a total? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, all right, well then. Well, well all right. A different prop, yeah, if you want. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because I was just going to say, Tage Thompson to get a goal at plus 100. That That's actually yeah. the bet I like even more than, than, uh, than Power to get a goal. He has to get rolling for this team to get rolling. You know, and, and it's weird not seeing his name at the top of the list for, like I said, you know, uh, goals right now. I think that's going to change here tonight. So I like him to at least get one, maybe even more than that. But we're just going to stick with Tay Thompson, anytime goal scorer, plus 100. I think I've seen as high as plus 130. So shop around for that. That's my best bet for this one game. All right, Tage Thompson, Buffalo Sabres, anytime goal scorer prop, plus 130 indeed uh, at FanDuel for the uh, best uh, for that uh, prop. Tage Thompson to find the back of the net. My best bet by default. Uh, it's not nothing I love, but it's only one game. It's over six and a half uh, with uh, Montreal and uh, Buffalo uh, over six and a half minus 128 for the uh, Canadians and the uh, Sabres for my best bet. All right. That's a wrap. We've got a huge show tomorrow. Uh, make sure you join us noon Eastern special start time. We'll talk all 16 games and then our live bet cast at 6 p.m. Eastern for all 16 games tomorrow night. DM or email me or Alex. And we'll send you the link for the BetCast uh, before it gets underway. We're looking forward to that. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we'll see you for a massive Tuesday tomorrow right here on the Ice Guys. (laughs) 